everyone, welcome to Being Well. If you're new to the podcast, thanks for joining us today. And if you've listened before, welcome back. One of the most difficult experiences that we have just as humans, and I've experienced this one many times, is when we know we should do something and we just don't do it. Or maybe in some ways even worse, when we're pursuing a goal that feels like it should be meaningful to us, but it just doesn't feel meaningful inside of us. Or maybe there's some destination out there that we really want to get to, but right now the journey is just not cutting it. And these are very normal challenges that we have, having to do with motivation and procrastination, setting good goals, and maybe even more than that, finding meaning and fulfillment in the course of our lives. Almost everybody has struggled with these problems, and thankfully because of that, there are a lot of good solutions to them that we've developed over time. And so to help me explore some of those solutions, get a bit better at avoiding procrastination, and to uh, hopefully find more motivation and meaning and fulfillment altogether in our lives, I'm joined, as usual, by Dr. Rick Hansen. Rick is a clinical psychologist, he is an author, and he's also my dad, and he's here with me live and in person. So, Dad, how are you doing? I'm really happy here and so glad we stopped putting this off. It's true. We were going to do this in person for like several months uh, that's at some right. point, and we just, it just kept on getting deferred. Wow. Yeah. What a meta commentary. That's my brand. <laughs> meta commentary <laughs> is your brand. I love that brand, Dad. Okay. Before we get into everything we're going to do today, I want to give you a quick reminder about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash beingwellpodcast. And for just a few dollars a month, you can support the show and you'll get a bunch of bonuses. <laughs> in return. But okay, returning to today's episode, which is all to do with motivation and procrastination, a lot of these issues get to the difference between two kinds of motivation. Uh And the first is intrinsic motivation. The second is extrinsic motivation. Could you explain to people what those two things are and how they're different? Sure. Basically, it means are we motivated by factors that are external to us, both carrots and sticks, or Are we motivated more, or in contrast, are we motivated by factors that are internal to us? Again, both carrots and sticks. A lot of the internal motivation, though, is externally referenced. So intrinsic motivation tends to focus on process values, the journey itself, rewards along the way, the fulfillment of making efforts, learning things, a sense of yourself as a as a being of worth and goodness who's actualizing and manifesting along the way. Love that. Whatever the external results might be. Yeah, great. So for me, the way that I simplify this is, would you still do the thing if no one were watching? Very good. Maybe like the simplest way to boil it down. Extrinsic motivation, you're doing it because someone's watching or you feel like you're being appraised in some kind of way. Intrinsic motivation, you just kind of want to do the thing on your own. So that's the differentiation between the two of them that I've really found. Yeah. And including about that audience Mm -hmm. thing, that they will never know. In Mm -hmm. other words, Mm -hmm. we might think, well, no one's watching me right now, but what if they ever find out? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just literally. And a, a different way of thinking about that in terms of object theory, object relations theory, and psychoanalysis, the self world paradigms, it's to what extent can we operate? without being object referenced, Mm, mm -hmm. without playing to the audience of one kind or another, which of course does not mean becoming sociopathic, narcissistic, egocentric, and all the rest of that. It's more like, can you find that inner freedom 
in which you're doing things for their own sake as an expression of your own inherent wellspring of lovingness, delight, curiosity, joy, and love. Mm-hmm. Well, that got very meta very quickly, which I, I shouldn't be tremendously surprised by, but you know, here we are. Yeah, no, I think that's also a great way to put yeah. it. Like yeah. what, you know, and this, and this gets to what we're going to talk about a little bit later in the episode, yeah. which is picking good pursuits, yeah, making good goals, doing things that are in alignment with some of those intrinsic motivations rather than the extrinsic ones. Yeah. And as we do this setup, it would be very natural listening to this to be like, oh, intrinsic motivation good, extrinsic motivation bad. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. on some podcasts, that's where the podcast host would be like, intrinsic motivation good, extrinsic yeah. motivation bad. But is there anything that's like inherently wrong with extrinsic motivation? Inherently. Is it like uh, a bad thing? Not categorically. Yeah, I agree. Right, so extrinsic motivation, for example, to avoid uh, punishments of different kinds. So I stop at stop signs and red lights routinely. I That's do it for multiple idea. reasons, including not wanting to get tagged by a police officer who observes that I've just inadvertently run a red light, which I actually did once when I was really young, uh, and I did not like that ticket. The police so, are coming for you right now, Dad. Yeah, like I take the tax authorities and border control very seriously. <laughs> For example, oh, there's a place for that. There's a place for, you know, you're in a situation, would you do the job if you did not get a paycheck? No, but you need the paycheck. So you do the job. Yeah. And you try to find other satisfactions along the way. Totally. And to like even broaden this out, as people like to say, we live in a society and it's, Mm. you know, probably a good thing that there are people who maybe they wouldn't be so internally motivated to be a good person or a good citizen. Well, we have checks and balances on those people in the form of external punishments if they don't behave in a more pro-social way. So there's nothing like inherently wrong with extrinsic motivation, but there are some consequences to making all of our choices or living our lives largely motivated by external factors rather mm. than internal ones. And one of the big ones is the consequences it can have for our satisfaction broadly. Yeah. First, uh, just to maybe add one more good thing about external motivations, we are profoundly dependent. Mm. And I'm highly motivated to take the next breath. Mm. I'm very motivated to make sure that you take the next breath. Sure. Of course. So... We also are profoundly social primates. Of course we want approval. Yeah. Of course we want to be cherished. Totally. Feeling approved, included, valued, seen, sought, wanted, is basically just as crucial for survival Mm -hmm. for hunter-gatherer humans and hominids as finding the next banana. So it's okay that we, we want that. The question then becomes balance and regulation and what else is true. But I just want to give a nod, particularly in a culture that hyper-focuses on individualism and has kind of an ethos and idealization of these heroic characters who are utterly independent. They don't need anything from anybody. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not a good way to be a human. Yeah. Yeah. So all that said. Totally, totally. And then for me where the the issues between extrinsic and intrinsic Uh motivation, where they tend to come forward a little bit more, has to do with how we feel along the way to Mm -hmm. achieving something. Yeah, Like what is the feeling of pursuing and achieving something that we're extrinsically motivated toward rather than intrinsically motivated toward? And this is where I think a lot of those problems with meaning and fulfillment 
that I was alluding to in the introduction to the episode come in, where we feel like we should be achieving this goal, but just somewhere deep down inside, it doesn't feel as meaningful to us as individuals as we're kind of told it should feel to us. Or maybe another thing that can happen, which is that extrinsic motivation can be a bit like a hamster wheel for people, mm-hmm. where the the goal is just constantly deferred. You know, we're we're good enough for this moment, but what about the next moment down the line? And that's more where the problems tend to come in. Yeah, one way to think about intrinsic motivations is the ones that are not contingent on outcomes mm-hmm. in any way. So a couple of thought experiments here. Let's say you're doing a piece of work Maybe you're making a meal and friends are coming over, you're sharing with your partner, your Mm -hmm. roommate perhaps. And in the back of your mind, you are thinking as I can that, oh, they're going to think this is really good. Sure. They're going to think I'm really smart. They're going to like me. Okay. So that little extrinsically oriented process is occurring. Totally normal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And alongside that could well be the non-contingent pleasure in mastering a task, Mm. uh, producing a good piece of work. That's an example of intrinsic motivation. And then the question becomes, which tends to loom larger in your mind? And you can imagine that if it landed with a deafening thud out there in the world, how devastated would you be? Mm. Alternately, even if it does land with a deafening thud and there's really no response to it, can you still feel that it was worth doing in any case? That's kind of a healthy balance of intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Mm, That makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it gets interesting. Like, what are the key non-contingent values inside a person's mind? The non-contingent reasons, not contingent on external results, Mm -hmm. outcomes for doing things. And I'll just kind of offer several that we could start. Maybe yeah, we'll go... and also I'm wondering what yeah. do you think supports somebody in identifying those for themselves? Because yeah. that's a major basis for intrinsic motivation, exactly doing right. things that are in alignment with your values, that yeah. you really care about, all that good stuff. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Because <laughs> the truth is, we don't have a school system. We don't have any, a, a, most workplace environments are not about yeah. helping people to identify intrinsic motivations, partly because the corporate overlords. It's all about the extrinsic extent. motivation. Oh yeah, yeah they, totally. want, to they get want you to be chasing that motivated. carrot with yeah. just a little yeah. fear of the stick. You know? <laughs> like, ah! okay. One is mastery motivation. Mm. That's a technical mm-hmm. term that shows that even in the absence of external rewards, young chimpanzees, probably young rats, uh, certainly young humans, <laughs> you know, will seek to get good at stuff even if there's no reward. And in fact, often their effort to get good at stuff is reduced if suddenly external rewards are provided. That's very interesting. So mastery motivation, just wanting to get good at stuff. Do you want me to keep going or do you I do want, want to, take you to keep going. I okay. do want you to keep going. Okay. Yeah. So hit, hit me with your three point plan. I know that there's always at least a three point plan. Remember so. the soundtrack. Yes, the soundtrack in the background, three point plan. And then I wanna I wanna comment on that one. But yeah. Finish your okay, list okay. First. yeah. So here are a couple others. I'll just name them. People can relate to it. Another is the acquisition of knowledge. Cool. Yeah. Which is distinct from skill refinement, which is also distinct from being innately talented. A third is the actualization of certain capacities Mm. that a person might have. That, for example, they just have a natural gift at art making. They might have some talent with cooking. They they cook because they're kind of, you know, it's it's innate in them. They like Mm -hmm. doing it. 
So that's another one. Maslow did a lot there. Yeah, totally. Another one is um, service. Mm. That you're just there to contribute. Whether they notice it or not, nice if they notice it, but you're still going to try to contribute. There's a lot of things in life where we make a noble effort. Doesn't end up working out. Yeah, yeah. and it just doesn't turn out. And yet, you know, I feel good mm. that I made that effort mm -hmm. along the way. And then the last one, which to me is actually interestingly close to you, is beauty. Mm. Mm -hmm. Beauty. Creating a pretty space. Yeah, yeah beauty. Uh, appreciating what is beautiful, mm. making room for beauty. Beauty, obviously, broadly defined. You know, people vary in what's beautiful for for them and so yeah, forth. I think about it like a lot of artistic pursuits yeah. as you could think of in terms of yeah. a kind of beauty. Yeah. That's right. Participating in beautiful ways, uh, moving in beautiful ways that are worth doing in their own right, mm. producing beauty. Okay. What do you I think that's a great list of five things. Some, totally. Yeah. And you can, if you're listening to this, you can think about both what do you care about mm -hmm. inside of each of those five things. Yeah. But also really importantly, it's not just, it's not, not to be judgmental about it, but like almost a layer one way of approaching this yeah. is going, okay, I'm going to turn those five things into five questions oh. that I ask myself, like, what do I find beautiful? What do I care about mastering? What do yeah. I care about learning about? Yeah. Like that's, that's really useful. I, I'm not yeah. saying don't do that. I'm just saying that that's like the first step. Yeah. But the second step, which is really important oh. is that you can turn those desires yeah. to any pursuit. That's right. And to start caring about them for what they are, yeah. not just in terms of what is the pursuit itself. You yeah. can be mastery motivated around everything from cleaning the house yeah. to cooking dinner to finding the job that you love doing, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what the discipline is. Yeah. You can find the mastery motivation. So I just want to highlight that as why this is kind of so useful. Yeah. That it's across domain. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And that, that list of five is certainly not exhaustive. Totally. I'm already starting to think of a some others that people talk sure. about. And of course, a common one is feeling that you are in alignment with that which is sacred to you. Sure, higher purpose. Yeah, the divine, you're being lived yeah. in some ways. That's very you know meaningful to many people. Another one is awe. Dacher Keldner has a new book. Jonah Paquette, a friend of mine, also has a wonderful book on awe. You know, yeah. Just being at all. Totally, yeah. In yeah. the suckiest day, mm -hmm. just being at all. You can develop an appreciation of it, yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, to, to bring it back down to earth a tiny little bit, <laughs> I want to loop back to one of the very first things that you said, which was uh, mastery motivation. <laughs> because that relates to something that I wanted to talk about today, which is right. called self-determination theory okay, or okay. SDT. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to rub my feet on the floor here, <laughs> tap my feet. You know, I was out there. I was like, whoa, stars. No, it's good. Amazing. I, I, hey, I, I love the stars. <laughs> and what am I but a vehicle to dispense information, I suppose. But, uh, you know, maybe that's a tendency inside myself. I kind to work with a little bit but anyways but, STT, and do you enjoy it yeah and i do enjoy okay. it and, and maybe that's uh, you know i am both intrinsically and extrinsically motivated yeah. about it yeah is there a part of me that's like ooh, i hope people think this is cool yeah <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna lie to you that's definitely a part of me but am i do i also find it like rewarding for its own sake totally yeah. you know who couldn't find that's this great. rewarding or I, yeah. I don't know maybe there are people out there who wouldn't be into it but i'm very into it <laughs> anyways sdt so this is a really really cool theory which examines what's human motivation when circumstances aren't aren't a problem, essentially. Like, what okay. do we do under baseline? Yeah. And so this really interesting research was conducted on human infants that basically explored, like, 
what are they motivated towards in just a conducive, generically supported environment? And what it found is that young kids, particularly infants, are inherently intrinsically motivated. They have a desire to understand and go out and interact and improve and all of these things. Mm. But what happens is essentially circumstances get in the way. Mm. Yeah. When everything's going good, we're very intrinsically motivated. When it's not so going good, okay, that's when that extrinsic motivation comes to the forefront a little bit more. And so there are these these that's uh, interesting. yeah, and there are these three factors in particular that it focuses on. I think it's something like competence, relatedness, or connection and autonomy. Yep. Those are the three yeah. of them. And you can think about those as factors in different kinds of environments. Like if we don't feel that competent, if we don't feel that connected to other people, mm-hmm. and if we don't feel like our behavior really matters very much, it's really tough to be intrinsically motivated. That's when we need to start to look outside mm-hmm. of ourselves for like, okay, well, you know, whatever, I guess I can't affect things in these ways. So mm-hmm. somebody out there, tell me what the heck to do. Or tell me how to make it through this day without having a really unpleasant interaction with somebody else. And so we start just like looking outside of the self for our motivations. Mm. That is interesting. And I don't know much about it. Um, I was struck by the little phrase that got dropped in at, you know, 20 miles an hour and no fault. That when oh, things are basically <laughs> okay. Through it. Yeah. yeah totally. When things are, in other words, when at least you're a couple, three levels up Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah. So that yeah. you can afford to value autonomy competence and totally. relatedness. Yep. You know, in, in other episodes, we've talked about something that is deeply mysterious to me, and I think is mysterious, even in hardcore scientific psychology, this quality of a feeling that's sort of in the core of your being, where you're determined to have a better life, mm. right? Uh, whatever's happening around you, mm-hmm. there's this intrinsically motivated engine inside yeah. some people and what is that about what helps it mm-hmm. how does it get beaten it get beaten out of people i don't yeah, know totally but it does make me wonder about those people who even if they don't have much autonomy and little relatedness but in the core of him this sure. fire burns brightly yeah and so forth there's probably yeah. you know a bit of a distribution here yeah where there are some people who are just going to keep on grinding with that intrinsic motivation yeah. almost regardless of circumstance yeah. and some people who aren't that's, right. that's okay that's normal i for self-disclosure would totally put myself in the category of people who will not keep grinding under any circumstances <laughs> i mean i need supportive factors to feel intrinsically motivated for sure so yeah. you know no judgment there but yeah. yeah there's probably some some natural distribution that yeah happens. yeah yeah that's interesting and again, not to overvalue it and be careful about the culturalness of it. And the focus and on of, talent a little yeah, bit. It becomes a, a kind of focus on talent. Yeah. 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 You know, I Louis Lamour is a Western writer. I've probably read fifty of his novels at various times. And it's a classic archetype. That mm. It's almost always a, a male hero who has this quality of fierce determination no matter what. Mm-hmm. And highly valorized. Highly valued. And that's very much in Western culture. So I don't want to overdo it. All right. Yeah, it it does relate to something that was kind of the genesis for this episode for me that I wanted to talk with you about because I was curious what your take on it was. And recently I've been thinking a lot about the feeling tone that's associated with whatever the activity is that Mm. we're doing. Yeah. And particularly just this notion that like running towards something and running away from something feel extremely different 
mm. even if you're running at yeah. the same speed in the same direction. Yeah, this you know, is awesome for us. Well, thank Keep you. Going. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. so like I, I, the language that I came up for this, which I'm sure other people have come up for, was just like what occurred to me in the moment, is a pursuit orientation versus essentially a prey orientation. Yeah, and I thought this was kind of interesting to do a little amateur evolutionary psych over here. Yeah, we have a heritage. That includes yeah. both predators and prey animals, yeah, you know. Yeah. So we have both of these systems inside yeah, of us, at yeah. least on some level. Yeah. And and so like we have a tendency in both directions yeah. that's available to us. And we think of ourselves these days as being hyper predators, right? Yeah. Which like we are, right? We right. have no natural predators. But there are so many experiences we have in the course of a life that immediately drop us into more of a prey that's orientation. That's so interesting. And so there's there's like this interplay between the two of them. Huh. And I just wonder about increasingly like, what can we do to increasingly wander toward feeling more like we're in pursuit of the things that we care about and less like we're being, like, beaten towards them by something that we're afraid of that's behind us? Right. You know? Oh, you're asking one of the truly deep questions in motivation, and there, I'll just drop in some yeah, of the yeah, terminology please. you're probably totally, familiar totally with already. It. So we have these contrasts, predator, prey, approach, avoid, yeah, yeah. promotion, Prevention, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. reward seeking, punishment, avoiding, evading. Yeah, <laughs> I tried to find another word besides avoiding. avoiding. Yeah, right, punishment, right. evading. Okay, okay punishment, All evading. Right, yeah, yeah, and they're very important. Mm -hmm. Both of these motivational systems are within people, and there's been tremendous amount of study on them. Mm. On the one hand, for some people, having a prevention and avoidance orientation, sometimes accompanied with what's called defensive pessimism, mm, mm -hmm. helps to maintain their psychological well-being. Yeah, their emotional homeostasis. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're risking very little. I was talking with a friend of mine recently, who shall be nameless, who was just saying, Rick, I just expect the worst of people all the time. And so I'm occasionally pleasantly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and, she was, and then she said, but you are like my husband, who sees the best in people yeah. <laughs> and then gets disappointed sometimes. And she was saying, I'm really glad I have my husband and Rick, don't be so naive. Something like that. You know what I mean? So there's a there's a place for that. That said, on the whole, this uh, approach orientation, promotion orientation, dare I say, predatory pursuit orientation is correlated as a generalization with better long-term mental health outcomes. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. the fact that you took the old wine that I'm quite familiar with, mm -hmm. with this boring psychological terminology, right? <laughs> Put it into slightly wine. spicier bottles. Yeah. And you're like, predator <laughs> and prey. <laughs> Woo! And then you dropped it in, which is super cool, to the like disconnect, right? The juxtaposition of being treated like God's walking the earth, sure. the human yeah. species, yeah. just giants kicking over the sand hills, the ant hills of all the other species, trampling them terribly. And yet there are so many ways in which people feel yeah. like prey animals in everyday life. You want something really weird that I find really cool? I love really weird, yes. I learned this from the giant, Yok Punksep no longer alive, bless his memory. Anyway, I learned from him that in experiments, acknowledging experiments on non-human animals fraught with issues, okay, if you stick an electrode 
in a certain spot in a cat's brain stem, it will go into a rage, mm. a hissing, attacking rage. Yeah. If you move that electrode, I don't know, probably maybe less than a centimeter away to another spot in the brain of the cat, it will go into predatory pursuit. It's not angry at the mouse it's chasing. It just wants to get it. Yeah. And that's been actually really yeah. useful for me as a way into aspiration without attachment, as a way into acknowledging a place for fieriness, intensity, goal-directed pursuit that doesn't have negative affect woven into mm, it. Mm -hmm. You don't hate the target. You don't have ill will toward it. I think of it playing tennis. You know, I'm a mediocre tennis player. You don't hate your opponent, but man, do you enjoy just bam, ripping that topspin. Mm, That's mm -hmm. predatory pursuit. And yeah. distinguishing that from anger yeah, and hatred. Yeah, totally. And I, I think that that's why some of these words, that's why I, I lean into using like a pursuit mindset yeah. as opposed to a predatory mindset. Because yeah, yeah. the, these words are nuanced and complicated, yeah. right? And they start to yeah. carry meaning with them yeah. that we might not oh, yeah. actually even Praise intend. victim, which yeah, praise is pathologizing victim, totally, potentially. Totally, yeah. 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 So, you know, want to be careful about all yeah. of those things. Yeah. All of that said, one of the questions I want to ask you, Dad, is do you think that this sort of pursuit, avoidance, yeah. however you want to language them, yeah. do you think that these mindsets have any overlap at all with intrinsic or extrinsic motivation? Or do you think that they're just like totally independent variables from each other? Wow, that's so interesting. I think it's a two-by-two two matrix. Yeah, okay. And related to that... It is interesting to appreciate the ways, like you and I did it in our book, Resilient, autonomy and intimacy. Sure. Feeding each other. Yeah. That the truth is, in our lives, sometimes we got to get away. Yeah. We got to get away Absolutely. from the storm. Totally. We got to cross over to safety. I've had visceral experiences of that in wilderness often. I foolishly allowed you to walk off the backside of Lembert Dome one time, and suddenly your life was in my hands and I had to make sure you got down. Flashing before my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> Without falling off. Yes. Uh, yeah, I had to, we had to cross to safety. Shoes. That was a fun one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had to get there. We had to be safe. So there's a place for that. And what's yeah. really interesting is how a secure base in mm, attachment theory mm -hmm. promotes pursuit and mm -hmm. approach orientation. So we need to establish that secure base. And there are ways in which ticking the boxes of appropriate, avoidance behavior. They were avoiding lethal consequences. Yeah. I had this sticker I brought back from Joshua Tree. You know, when I, when I went down there with two friends of mine who had never really clambered mm -hmm. around rocks and I said, I've got a rule, no death today. I love that rule. No major injury either. <laughs> They're like, oh. They're like, wait, was that on the table? Pause. <laughs> Can I unsubscribe from this adventure? Like, do, do we yeah. have to do this? They were like oh, shocked. God. And then they were reassured because I was really serious. <laughs> like, no death today. <laughs> anyway, oh, oh there's God, a place for that. So we establish yeah, totally, that frame totally. of appropriate avoidance behavior, appropriate, vulnerable, yeah. frail, prey behavior. Mm -hmm. And then inside that frame, mwah, yeah. we can then yeah. pursue our goals with passion and purpose. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? We're all looking for more time, but time for what? It's easy to waste time doing the things that don't really matter, and it can sometimes feel like we never have time for what does. Learning what we really value and making it a priority in our lives is something therapy can help us with. As you probably already know, I'm a huge believer in the power of therapy, and working with a therapist has made a huge difference in my life. 
If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com beingwell today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash beingwell. If you're like me, you've probably started to pay closer attention to your long-term health as you've aged. Turning 35 was a bit of a wake-up call for me, and I'm always looking for good sources of information, because it's often really difficult to separate fact from fiction when it comes to our physical health. We had Dr. Tim Spector on the podcast a few years ago. He's a professor of genetic epidemiology and the scientific co-founder at Zoe. And the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is truly one of the best resources out there when it comes to this stuff. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. And you don't have to just take my word for it. Avid podcast fan Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others transforming their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. As somebody who's really struggled with skin issues like acne over the course of my life, I know just how great it is to not stress about what's going on with your skin. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. No complicated routine, no multi-step protocols, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. The secret is OneSkin's proprietary OS01 peptide. It's the first ingredient proven to work with the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. And as somebody who's used plenty of complicated routines in the past, I love the simplicity of using their OS01 face topical peptide. Just cleanse, pat your skin dry, and apply it twice daily. Get started today with 15% off using code BEINGWELL at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code BEINGWELL. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you came from, and please support the show and tell them that we sent you. I think you're probably right. I don't know if intrinsic, extrinsic have anything to do with pursuit or avoidance. Yeah. But what I do know is that procrastination does. And that's Ooh. my transition right there. Because procrastination fundamentally- You know, there was no transition, but that yeah, was good. It, I, I like the way was, you did was that. that not a tra- I thought that was a good transition. <laughs> was a transition. That was a good topic transition. But it has something to do with extrinsic versus intrinsic? No, no, no. I, I, you, you, you lost the plot a little bit. Oh, or, okay. or my transition was bad. Maybe my transition was bad. But what I was saying was that avoidance or procrastination have to do with more of, in my framing of it, more of a prey mentality as opposed to a pursuit orientation because it's heavily valenced toward avoidance. Yes. You know, where it's not about pursuit, it's about avoiding pain, not pursuing some kind of intrinsic motivation of one kind. Right. You wouldn't really say, my purpose in life, Forrest, is procrastination. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so I wanted to ask you, what's like the psychological function? Because that's a question that we ask all the time on the that's show. Right. What's the that's psychological right. function that procrastination is serving? Right. Because you look right. at it, like I understand why it might just be straight pain avoidance or like I, I get why somebody doesn't want to do the dishes or whatever, yep. but is there a deeper psychological function for it? So many things. I just want to add to my list of 
intrinsic. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, values, being amused, <laughs> including being amused by your own jokes, as I am amused. As, <laughs> as my mother in particular is. Nobody can laugh at her own jokes like my mom can. I know. Tears of laughter streaming down her she's, face. She can't even get the joke out. She's so amused with it. Oh, my God. Oh, gosh. All right, anyways. All right. Okay, so procrastination, avoidance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard one for me mm. because I don't tend to procrastinate. Okay. And so it's harder. I don't know why people procrastinate. <laughs> I admit it. I'm terrible. Uh, all right. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna hit you with a theory. Yeah, and please. You then check me on my theory. My theory, which I think is, I'm not the only person to come up with this. It's yeah. something that I saw and yeah. I liked and I kind of yeah. thought about it more. Is that it's when essentially our surface wants come into conflict with wants that are deeper down or more internal to us mm. because most of the things that people procrastinate about are external yeah doing homework going to the gym doing a certain kind of habitual effort oriented yeah. in direction and a lot of the times that we're procrastinating something it's something that we don't actually care very much about exactly so that's a big piece of it then why do we procrastinate stuff that we actually do care about Ooh. or that we know we should do right and again i think it's pain avoidance rather than pursuit orientation and so i wonder if Part of the whole thing here with dealing with procrastination is not trying to like attack the procrastination because what happens is we get really self-critical. Mm. Like I used to criticize myself heavily for procrastinating mm. and it never got me to do the thing. Self-criticism never Nor was... did <clears throat> my efforts. Yeah, well, you know, we're <laughs> They probably all... made it worse. <laughs> we're all imperfect <laughs> in this lifetime, Dad. But no, you're right, yeah. yeah like external... Don't seek the Buddha outside yourself. Yes, yes. So like being beaten down, whether it was from an external source yeah, yeah. or it was from an internal source, yeah. didn't do it. I had to eventually shift over into more of a pursuit orientation. I had to look for the things that I wanted yeah. to find, not the things that I was trying to run from. I wasn't able to beat myself in that direction. I had to find a movement toward it that was more inside out. I'm going to really sound, I'm seeing the picture, the cartoon of the cranky adult staring at a young kid, get off my lawn, something like that, right? I think some procrastination happens because people are just simply in a low effort mode. Sure. Now, yeah. why they're in a low effort mode, no praise, no blame. The truth is it's kind of across the board. They're just in a low effort mode. All right. A second one is one in which they know they should do something, but it's not connected. Mm -hmm. The engine is turning over, but the clutch is disengaged. There's no forward movement, right? And that's a really big one where people know and they just don't implement. And I think that's a very interesting gap, how to move from knowing to motivating, right? That, But then there's something where people are ashamed of, not taking action. Mm. And they manage that shame by some kind of avoidance behavior like drinking or mm -hmm. distracting themselves in some other way. So what do you do about those things, right? So there's the effort piece just in general. We talked about that. There's helping people connect head to heart. A lot of work mm -hmm. on that. Then there's people who are so ashamed about what they haven't done is that they can't even bear to start because it'll bring up all the history yeah, all of the not starting at all, totally. which is associated, I get that. And then there's something that I've just seen a lot in which people are insufficiently rewarded in their minds. And 
This goes to one of the great arts in life, which I think is helping yourself learn to want things that are good for you that you don't already want. But I think that's been huge. Really, for me, honestly, it just seems so obvious. Oh, motivation is central. All right. How do I help myself want to get on the treadmill? <laughs> you know? I think that if we're asking ourselves, do I want to do this thing, we've kind of already lost. And so what I mean by that is that the reason that we develop habits, particularly yeah. useful habits, around things that are automatable is so that we stop asking ourselves, do I want to do the thing? Okay. We just do the thing. I get up in the morning, I take a shower. I don't ask myself, Forrest, do you want to take the shower? Yeah. Now I'm spending mental resources yeah. contemplating something that I should just do. Right. If we're asking ourselves, huh. do I want to do this thing? You're already operating from a weak position. Do you really feel that way? I mean, it depends on what we're asking ourselves about. Like at the beginning of a journey with something, you need to ask yourself those yeah. questions. You need to identify what are your values? Do I want to go to this school or that school? Those are good want questions. Yeah. To use myself as an example, when I go to the gym infrequently yeah. is when I'm asking myself every day, oh, should I go to the gym today? Yeah. When I go to the gym frequently is when I know that I go to the gym on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm not asking myself a question. I know that I go to the gym on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Okay. And Have so it. I just go. Yeah. There's no question associated mm. with it. it. We've removed it from the world of what my desires are. Yeah. And it's become an automated behavior. Well, once you're at that point yeah. where you don't have to ask yourself, like, I don't have to ask myself when I see somebody walking on the sidewalk, gee, should I jump the curb and run them down? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't need, or do I want to stay in the in my lane? Yeah, and, and there are people who do have to ask themselves that. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm saying, okay. is that that's not yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, well, what I'm getting from this, I'm really interested in the healthy development of liking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the Buddhist tradition, there are these two terms, sort of craving and wholesome desire. Okay, sure. They're really different. Liking can tip into craving, but with some self-awareness and practice and maybe some external support, a person can rest in liking without tipping into craving about it, right? And so I find that one of the best ways for people to help themselves in this life is to learn to like certain things. Mm. Like learn to like being still or quiet and letting other people talk. Like for many people, that would be a very useful thing to learn to like. Learn to like a clear mind in terms of developing sobriety. And people might ask themselves who are listening here, I'm doing the same internally. Gee, hmm, what would be good for me to foreground more in my liking? Or including noticing what you like about wholesome, virtuous, skillful, beneficial, productive moments. What do you like about them? And by foregrounding the reward value, technically, you will then increase your motivation toward it. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. No, I mean, that whole notion of changing the reward value of an experience is like a huge part of habit formation. Yeah. And I'm, again, I hope I'm not going off on a deep end. I'm just reflecting on our culture mm. that delivers pleasure to us with a fire hose. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to explore likes, right? So in this culture, here too, I think there's a place for kind of mm. claiming the autonomy of finding your own likes and expanding the field of what you like. So we're we're focusing on 
Ways out of procrastination. Ways out of procrastination. Because the truth is, you don't like it enough. Pursuit orientation. You don't like it yeah. enough to do it. How yeah. can you help yourself like it enough to do it? Or find the things that you do want to pursue. Yeah, I think that's some of it. It's like moving the um, yeah. moving the focus yeah. from what are the experiences that we're trying to yeah. avoid to yeah. what are the experiences that we're trying to achieve or the yeah. experiences that we're trying to pursue. Yeah. And that was a huge one for me. Yeah. Because I was totally in the world of trying to avoid these various pains followed by harsh self-criticism most yeah. evenings and nights that I hadn't accomplished the things that I wanted to accomplish. And that self-criticism became my payment mm. for all of the things that I hadn't done throughout the day. But what that meant is that I could wake up the next day and just be free again, essentially, because yeah. I was going to pay for it in the evening by beating myself up about it. Yeah. So I was on this hamster wheel, right? Mm. And it was because I was oriented around avoidance. And then over time, I had to be increasingly oriented around pursuit. And still, it's something that's actually quite tough for me. I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily naturally pursuit oriented. I would say I'm more of like an ambivert in that territory yeah. that can kind of go either way. Huh. And yeah, and so I'm wondering how you think people can develop more of that pursuit orientation. I think paradoxically, much as getting good at avoiding mm -hmm. can help you be really good at approaching and pursuing, right? In the sense of creating a safety frame inside of which you can really do things. Mm. One things that mm. one thing that really helps me to have a lot of fun in wilderness is through experience. I'm very careful. I'm really clear where the edge is. And so as long as I'm an inch away from the edge, I'm happy. Or a foot, maybe healthy safety margin. I'm okay, right? So knowing that, I think that's interesting. And then paradoxically, knowing how not to get captured by craving, broadly stated, the you know, problematic wanting makes more room for a person to really enjoy liking. Mm, mm -hmm. It's interesting. We have a, uh, again, American culture is so seemingly sensual and actually it's like cardboard food sprayed with some kind of tasty glitter. A lot, in, in a, as a kind of cultural frame. We A lot of people are chasing the next pleasure like a hamster on the wheel, but not really liking what they're currently doing. Mm -hmm. And so there's a certain almost like countercultural push to just say to yourself, you know, I'm going to explore really liking. And how do I do that? Mm -hmm. How do I move from thing to thing over the course of my day? And how do I find what there is to like in certain things? Maybe I'm just stuck. I've got certain routines. I got to do the dishes. Like what could we expand the field of liking? Like there you are, you're driving to work. Traffic, pain in the neck. Can you find things to like about it? Yeah, where I thought you were going to go with that was that one of the ways to develop more of a pursuit orientation yeah. might be kind of counterintuitively thinking about the things that you really want to avoid and then figuring out how to create a situation or life circumstance that doesn't have as many of those things and then pursuing that very strongly. And that was the counterintuitive Trick, I thought. Yeah, and then I then I did a liking wanting thing. Yeah, then I did yes. a whoop de doo a backflip <laughs> on. <laughs> but you're exactly right. In other words, most people I think are bad at liking. Mm -hmm. And if a person is procrastinating, it's one of the best things they can do for themselves is to learn about liking mm -hmm. and to find ways to like what you truly care about, but have been procrastinating, mm -hmm. and find what you like elsewhere in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so do you think this interacts with like goal setting and setting better goals or finding different kinds of things to pursue? I think it it definitely interacts with finding things to pursue because you're mm-hmm. finding things to like. Yeah, I think a lot of it is you kind of know rationally, oh, I really ought to do this or that, but you don't like it, you know? Mm. Yeah, and there's you know the term ego, uh, pardon me, uh, willpower fatigue. Mm-hmm. You're just tired. You the shoulds wear you down, mm-hmm. but there's an insufficiency of liking. Mm. Do you enjoy it? And help yourself find what is enjoyable and seek what is enjoyable. Mm. I, you know, I, I just think it sounds so duh. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's an important thing. Yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. And I think you've found it mm. in your own journey mm. with dancing, podcasting, sure, the various relationships. Do, yeah. You have found what totally. there was to like, and you you really carved a path to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I think that the liking part of it is important. I think there's a meaning and purpose part of it that's just as important, if not more important. It's good to develop the capacity to like things, and also there is a degree of discomfort that is inherent in life. Sure. And there are some things yeah. that are tough to like. Dislike. Yeah. Or I'm, not even like things I'm trying to avoid, but just a certain degree of discomfort that is, so, is associated with yeah. different experiences. And so I go to sort of more how do we identify the intrinsic motivations that we have to return sure. to that yeah. as opposed to the things that were more extrinsically motivated yeah. around. Yeah. Liking can be an intrinsic motivation, yeah. but pleasure is often based off of extrinsic factors or experiences. There's sort of yeah. a complexity there to me, I guess. Yeah. And so I wonder about identifying more things outside of do I like this, do I not like this, yeah. that are meaningful for a person. Well, if I follow you right, I think there are certain pleasures that are externally contingent. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if you know the waiter does not bring your dessert, the pleasure of a hot fudge sundae is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, That's partly why I think it's really helpful to get good at finding enjoyments in the journey, mm-hmm. finding things to like in the journey, right? That then becomes definitely an intrinsic motivation. I don't know, call me crazy. When I think about, I know we're coming to an end here. When I think about walking out into the streets of the small city that we're in right mm-hmm. now and looking at the people, I don't know how much people are really centered in what they like. I think for a lot of people, they get through their day. They're kind of okay with it, but they get through their day to get to what they like. Mm-hmm. And I want to be really clear that certainly, you know, I have a lot of privilege and blah, 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 blah. But on the other hand, I really know that in many cultures that have a lot of poverty and hunger and issue, ordinary people often will report in those cultures being thoroughly satisfied in their mm-hmm. day and thoroughly enjoying it, thoroughly enjoying driving a taxi. So I just think that I'm going to walk away from this interview for us, really reflecting a little bit about liking, because I think that's the heart of intrinsic motivation. Liking the development of mastery, mm-hmm. liking right the acquisition of knowledge and so forth, liking the experience of beauty, of awe, liking being given over to a kind of spiritual current living through you if mm-hmm. if you're so inclined. Yeah, and I think people procrastinate because they think they should do something, but often they don't like it. Mm-hmm. And you named that as an important thing. Yeah, and you have a hard time, they have a hard time finding the enjoyment of the experience yeah, and that you, might be present. Tell the truth, yeah. you don't really care. Mm. Don't care. I just don't care. And it's okay that you don't care about it, let's say. I would add that by its nature, liking draws us into an approach orientation. 
Mm -hmm. Now we can like escape, but liking really in general Mm -hmm. moves us into the, what are we seeking? What is the gain? Or also what's the intrinsic pleasure Mm -hmm. in what Mm -hmm. we're doing? I don't know why Forrest, but I just feel kind of drawn into compassion for the degree to which people have lives that they don't like. Sure. Or they're at jobs or with people or situations because understandably they're problematic. And that said, I just think it's so profoundly fundamental to find what is not contingent on external factors in which you can take refuge, in which you can rest, Mm -hmm. and in which you like being there. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Right. We started today's conversation about motivation and procrastination by focusing on the difference between two kinds of motivation, intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation is when we engage with an activity for its inherent satisfaction or our personal enjoyment. The incentives to it are internal. If no one was watching, or as Rick added on as well, if you know that no one will ever be watching, you'd do it anyway. Examples of intrinsic motivation might include reading a book for its own pleasure, learning based on your own interest in a subject, or participating in a sport because you genuinely enjoy it. Then there's extrinsic motivation. This is when we engage in an activity to obtain external rewards or avoid punishments. Incentives are external. If nobody else was watching, you probably wouldn't do this thing. Examples of extrinsic motivation might include studying to get good grades, working to earn a salary, or competing in a sport to earn praise or validation from your peers. Now, there's a really important point here. Intrinsic and extrinsic motivation are not mutually exclusive. We can be motivated by different kinds of ends simultaneously. For example, you might both be authentically motivated to learn something because you find it enjoyable and also want to get a good grade on the test. That is totally normal. And layered on top of that, when people have these kinds of conversations, they often kind of turn their nose up at extrinsic motivation and say, oh, we should just be intrinsically motivated in life and that's how you're really going to find fulfillment. But the truth is that there is nothing inherently wrong with extrinsic motivation. And frankly, it's probably even a pretty good thing that people are motivated to fit in and belong to groups or behave in a manner consistent with what we think of as normal or to receive rewards for good behavior because there are plenty of people who would probably not behave in a particularly pro-social manner just on their own. They need that extrinsic motivation in order to be part of like a functional society. Now, at the same time, we don't want to be totally extrinsically motivated because that can really sap a lot of the enjoyment from life because ultimately, we're being motivated towards things that are less meaningful to us internally. So while it might be perfectly normal and perfectly healthy for us to be extrinsically motivated to, for example, follow certain laws, if we're talking about our own fulfillment and satisfaction in life, A lot of that is driven by intrinsic motivation. And then we spent a while here talking about the values or the various things that we can focus on that can draw us into intrinsic motivation. And here's Rick's list of things that might serve as forms of intrinsic motivation for somebody. First is mastery motivation, which we talked about in some detail. 
then second, the acquisition of knowledge, third, actualizing various innate talents, fourth, service, and then fifth, a really interesting one that he named beauty. And this then wandered us to a conversation on what I called our pursuit orientation versus having more of a prey orientation. And this was just based on my own experience with life, where I might be going in the same direction, whether I am pursuing something for my own interests versus I feel like I'm being beaten toward it by harsh self-criticism. But man, the feeling of those two experiences is radically different. And this got us into a conversation about having a pursuit orientation versus having a prey orientation, because the feeling of pursuing something is radically different from feeling like you're being chased toward that same something, right? The end is the same, but the experience could not be more different. And this took Rick into an exploration of these different kinds of paradigms that people can have in terms of their own motivational systems, a prevention orientation versus a promotion orientation, an approach orientation versus an avoidance orientation, and so on and so on. You see these in people's lives. And look, there is absolutely a place for more of a prevention orientation. Rick talked about establishing a secure base from which we can then approach the things that we really care about. But what you generally find in the studies is that the more that people can move into that pursuit mindset rather than an avoidance mindset, the happier they get. So what we're trying to do here is capture the value of dogged, even predatory pursuit while distinguishing it from anger, hatred, problematic behavior of various kinds, and not getting sucked into the craving aspects of the experience, while still pursuing something with diligence and thoughtfulness and even intensity as it calls for. And this then took us into talking about procrastination overtly, because procrastination is in its own way a kind of prey orientation. We're fleeing something when we procrastinate. And even for myself, when I've kind of beaten myself towards something I feel like I should be pursuing through just very harsh self-criticism, there's still this experience of flight that's associated with it. I'm almost running away from myself or the punishment that I know will follow. And for long-term sustainability in our behavior, we have to eventually shift over to more of a pursuit orientation. So we got into, okay, what helps people do that? And so what Rick really focused on here for the rest of the episode was the role of liking. How can we get better at liking? How can we cultivate a feeling of liking different kinds of things in our life? How can we find the liking in a activity that we don't even really enjoy that much normally? And this is a key skill to develop because it's the skill that allows us to learn to want the things that are good for us. Now, I pushed on Rick about this a little bit because the reality is that there are some things that are really hard to like, right? And we do eventually have to get to a point where we're no longer asking ourselves the question, do I like this thing? We've just operationalized the behavior. But Rick is totally right in that cultivating the ability to like different kinds of things, or maybe cultivating the ability to break an experience into multiple different parts— and being able to find even one or two of them that you can authentically like and find enjoyment in is an incredibly powerful skill to have. And it's definitely something that's helped me with my procrastination over time. 
I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, we'd really appreciate it if you would take a moment to subscribe to it wherever you're listening to it now on, and maybe leave us a rating and a positive review. That really does help us out. If you're watching on YouTube and would like to leave a comment, I would love to hear about your own experiences with procrastination and motivation and what's really made a meaningful difference for you here. If you'd like to support us in other ways, you can find us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash beingwellpodcast. And for the cost of just a couple dollars a month, you can support the show and you'll receive a bunch of bonuses in return. Until next time, thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.